thousand ghosts haunt these halls at night, unable to escape the madness that grips them, trapped in a garden of fiendish delight. Memories of torment, endless perdition, voices cut through the cold, bleak silence, hear the song of their woeful that means oh no it's a music special oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah wow wow just put on my sunglasses that actually wasn't what i was thinking of my overly colorful leather jacket you don't have anything that's overly colorful i don't (laughs) the closest thing is probably my dr doom hoodie that's the vibrant green Mm. because it vibrates it it does vibrate people do not know what vibrate vibrant actually means (laughs) it means you're vibrating yes so if you call someone vibrant, that means you're calling them a vibrator. <laughs> Sorry. John Finnemore's souvenir program, when they talk about the vibrant city, it's like, oh, we have earthquakes here often. Yeah, <laughs> or... It's like the we're close to the railway line. Yeah, so. it's quite vibrant. It's vibrating all the time. Yeah. The guy that criticizes them, but they're using the word correctly the whole time. Yep. Yep. Good times. Good times. Love John Fenimore's souvenir program. It's one of my favorite things of all time. Mm-hmm. Yes. We opened with a song. Yes. 
It's Ghosts by Ending the Vicious Cycle from the compilation Quintessence 2008-2018. They are a post-punk band from Dallas, Texas. As she's shifting over in the Uh, sofa there. Sorry, I had something in my shoe. Yes. It It was was your foot? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she gave me looks on that one. I got dagger eyes. (laughs) Just stab. Oh, God, I'm bleeding. Uh, the members of Ending the Vicious Cycle are Toby Ryder on vocals and guitar, Valerie McMullen on bass guitar, Samuel Coronado on guitars and keys, and then Chris Rayburn on drums. Yeah, the drums are pretty unique in this one. Mm. Kind of different uh, drum beat than you'd expect from the song as it begins. It's like, oh, this has got a kind of a little fun twist to it. Uh, their label is AF Music, and their influences they list are The Cure, Susan Banshee, Sisters of Mercy, Jesus and Mary Chain, The Mission, David Bowie, etc., etc., etc. So yeah, some uh, gothic rock out of Texas of all places. Hey, if Beto O'Rourke could have been in a punk band in Texas. That's true, and tour all over yeah. the country. It's all good. It's all good. Saul Goodman. <sighs> Saul Goodman. Right. That's how Better Call Saul got his name. It's all good, man. Yeah, I kind of gathered that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, though. I saw for, that episode recently. Th- thanks for confirming. Third season, they finally get to him being named Saul. Whew, talk about a slow burn. Oof. Yeah, but you're still watching, aren't you? Uh, yeah. It's compelling stuff. Slow stuff, though. I really milk it. It's like, oh, so I'm watching this car drive for like 10 minutes now. No, it's, it's, that's not a slow burn. It's like watching the original Solaris when you watch them drive to work the whole way. So I could go on the freeway myself and have the same experience. Still not the slowest burn you'll ever see. <laughs> this movie's in real time. What's the slowest burn? Soap operas. Oh, yeah. One conversation and one scene can be spread out over five episodes in a week. Wow. So don't even tell me about slow burns. Well, did they have to do daily episodes? Yes. So it's like they're they, hurting for content. Soap operas are champions at dragging something out. I kind of have to. I mean, that's a lot of hours to fill. Yep. I think we did good with banter. But yes, this is since it's October or Spooktober, as we like to call it, along with everybody else. Even Devour the Podcast was calling it Spooktober. Yes. They also call it Spook Timber too. So <laughs> <laughs> every month is Spook Month. Yeah, when you're a horror podcast, you kind of have to. Yeah, yeah. Devoured podcast is back in a different kind of format, different hosts since David left. But yes, um, yeah. So we're doing a Spooktober music special. I guess we can get into our next couple of tracks and then get into some regular segment stuff. So, up next is Zombie Walk by Two Witches from the compilation The Finnish Post-Punk Gothic You Should Know. Two Witches is a pioneer of Finnish goth rock since I think they founded in 1987. Holy shit. I've known of their existence since around the 90s. Yes, uh, pure, straightforward, gothic rock. Speaking of David Bowie, this song opens like the tail end of a David Bowie song. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's just blazing guitars. Gets right into it. Members are Hirki Witch on vocals, Marco Gravehill Hatamaki on guitar and cello. Nice. I got a cellist, guys. Hades Sparks on guitar and Zynthexia on synth. 
Oh, and also Alexi on bass and Alaric on drums, so a six-piece band. <laughs> now, their hometown is Tempere in Finland, and they're on the Darklands label. Randy has an interesting take on this song. Well, uh, just the things that he's describing in the first verse, I thought, dude, you got a hangover, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like, like they just partied real hard the night before, and yeah. so in the morning... So it's at 6 a.m. and he's walking around like a zombie. Mm-hmm. At one point he says he needs new brains, mm-hmm. which probably means he like has a headache and can't remember stuff. Mm. I didn't even get clued in on that whole hangover scenario. Yeah, it just, it, it can be taken many ways. Yeah, so a post-Halloween party song. Yeah. Kind of like it, except you wouldn't want that something that loud and raucous to play during a hangover no no you sure would not <laughs> but you might feel that way like oh my head yeah it's my like head my, guitars. Whole, my body hurts i don't want to go anywhere i don't want to go to work <laughs> nice yeah. so uh this is zombie walk by two witches
that was She's a Vamp by Naughty Zombies from demo number one, a death rock band from Madrid in Spain. And the members, it's pretty much a two-piece with Lily Munster, Scalafros, and H-Zombie. So not very, their real names. Not their real names. <laughs> Lily Munster <laughs> is not her real name, unless she has weird parents. Which could be possible. Uh, buried vocals, which I know is not your thing. And distorted on top of that. So they're buried and distorted. Yeah, it's like, basically, I could hear one phrase. Yeah. Or she's a vamp and drink your blood is about mm-hmm. the two things I managed to pick up out of the vocals. I thought it was suck your blood. but I Suck your blood. Yeah, I think it is suck your blood. And the rest of it was just... <laughs> it might be different on headphones. Yeah. That's... Uh, not uncommon for death rock to have the vocals be that distorted and yeah. kind of lo-fi, lo-fi punkish because it did come out of the L.A. hardcore scene. Yeah, the cat did not like me doing that. He was on my lap until then, and oh, then no. he fucked off. Now, I think he's also hungry. He went wandering into the kitchen. Yeah, he uh, he got tired of my lap, and that's uh-huh. fine. He's been on my lap like five times today. <laughs> yes, and he was falling through at one point, so <laughs> he's like, okay, I'm I'm done. Back legs, Mom. <laughs> Put your legs together. Put your legs together, Mom. I'm falling. Yep. Ooh, I do like the synth in this song a lot. Yes, and the buzzy bass. The buzzy bass, yeah. Very distorted, like, scrambler on the bass there. But yeah, buried vocals. But you get the gist. Kind of an urgency to it. Very similar to the song that preceded it. Oh, what do we want to do in news and reviews or just hit the news things? Let's talk about improv. How's that sound? Okay. We're very, 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 very involved in improv, more so than I think we ever have been. Agree. It's insane how much improv we're doing. Yep. Uh, We have a show tonight. We're doing another Brave and Dandy. Indeed. So I may record that. I think you totally should. Yeah, if there's need for us to release something when we don't have the time, I could do that. Well, it's better to have and not need than need and not not have. have. Because I really liked our previous show we did have a great show yeah so hopefully we'll have another one it's student night tonight so it's like a buy one get one free thing for students oh cool maybe we'll have a big crowd yeah it'd be nice to have a big crowd uh the live D show that i've been working on with your help and the help of our D group apparently that's going to be a thing it is going to be a thing <laughs> penciled in for next month so i don't think it's penciled that. in i think yeah. it's pretty well scheduled oh yeah we're point. scheduled in yeah we're it's it's in marker it's in it's in non-erasable sharpie that we're the beginning of next month we're going to have a live D show and from what chelsea was saying everybody's doing that these days everybody's having these live D shows at their improv houses but uh the means by which we're doing it i think is so specific and so unique to us because it's like a parody show in multiple ways yes by taking well-known comic book characters translating them into dungeons and dragons and then playing out the plot to a maybe popular cult cinema film maybe not just something from genre entertainment indeed so it's like these three things mashed up into one unique thing and i think that's what gives us kind of an edge over some similar things yeah well we don't have anyone in the near area that's doing the same thing so the closest thing is nick nick smith's uh dungeons and comedy but that's like people who don't normally play dungeons and dragons getting up and it's really about them just goofing off and being rude and 
Yeah, that try, sort of thing. trying to screw with the story. Yeah, well, that's we're, we're more engaged in the narrative and actually trying to present a story and trying to play as characters. So. And and we're not trying to be assholes. Yeah, it's a bit more like your Harmon Quest or your Adventure Zone. I mean, that's kind of what I'm aiming for. Yes. But with characters people already be familiar with, so you have that jump on it. So you don't have to worry about building a fan base of people returning. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, I know what this character is. So we also have, what, on the 11th, we're playing at that library for yep. the Halloween improv show. That's, that's a paid gig, which is crazy. It is. We're playing at the, is it Pleasant? No. Pleasant Valley? Pleasant Valley Pleasant branch. Pleasant Valley branch. Of the uh, Ogden Library. Yes. Ogden nice. Weber County Library System, which is not too far from where we live. It's No, uh, it's just up the road from us. We get on Washington, take that up, and then turn and da da we're there yeah if you're talking about elevation it's up if you're yeah, talking, we're talking about, about direction, direction it's, it's down. down it's south yeah so it's south but you're going up in elevation because you go up the hill yes yeah exactly so yeah we're improv out of our brains yeah well we're also um doing um what, what was it uh i can't remember now <laughs> There's the Old Town Throwdown stuff where you MC on occasion. Yes. Uh, we performed, but I'm not a big fan of the competitive style. Right. Next Saturday, there uh -huh. is going to be something going on with our friends Rose and Ben who are getting married. That's right. We're next at Saturday. their wedding reception. We're going to be doing improv there as well. Yeah, because we crazy. So it's... I hope I don't get burned out on it, so hopefully not. Well, you're not performing as much as you think you are. Yeah. Whereas I have performed for like the last, well, today we'll make the last four weeks straight. Right. Not a complaint. Nope. Not a complaint at all. <laughs> well, this is what you wanted is more opportunities to perform and that's what you're getting. So yay. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for it. My my fondest loves are the D&D &D show and Brave and Dandy because I love long form so much and I love the way that we're doing the D, D show and they're both with me oh yeah it's interesting <laughs> yeah i'm excited for the D, D show too we did a mock uh, show it's going to be better with an audience of course because you get a better response get yeah but we had some immediate. great moments during uh -oh. that oh hell yeah well just the thing is we have a iron man archetype and we're going to bars and it's like oh we'll never get him back out again <laughs> yeah he's like why don't we go to this bar and i said nope I know you. Mm -hmm. We will never be leaving. Chelsea playing up the young age of the Spider-Man archetype. Yes. That was great. <laughs> I'm just a baby. <laughs> Don't attack me. I'm a baby. Be proud of me, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And was asking about in the improv group what people would want for character selection. And I could do a multiple set of things. You know, if somebody wants it random if somebody wants it selected for them somebody wants the audience to choose if somebody wants to play a specific character i should allow all those options i guess the player could decide how they want the character to be selected honestly i don't trust audiences so i do not want them to have anything to do with character selection yeah but that's noticed, my personal thing i noticed nobody was selecting that as an option yeah do so, not want that. So leave it up to the players as to decide if they want me to assign something, if they want it randomly determined, or if they want to choose. That makes sense. I yeah. like that. Well, I think the things that I chose is uh, if you were to choose characters that are best suited to the campaign mm -hmm. or, um, you know, 
let us do whatever characters we wanted. Yeah. But I think those were the things I selected. You did. So that's our life in improv right now. Yarp. Anything have anything else to add regarding the improv situation? Nope, just that I'm enjoying it. Okay, well, so we'll get into the next bit of music then. Whenever I do a music special, I like to include a cover if I can. And I just so happened to run across this one as like, cha-ching. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Because in a way, this is a cover of a cover. It is a cover of a cover. Because the original, the intro's like two minutes long. Almost two and a half, let's be honest. <laughs> That's true. That's almost it's about halfway through the song where you normally put your middle eight, you know, bridge or something. Yeah, you, you I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people just thought it was an instrumental and then all of a sudden in the middle of the song they're like, wait, what? What? <laughs> Oh, Ian finally got on stage. It's a a Joy Division song called Dead Souls, which you'll also know as a cover done by Nine Inch Nails for the Crow soundtrack, the original Crow film. So yeah, Dead Souls here performed by Bella Luna, who are from Phoenix, Arizona. The members are Fuchsia on vocals, Hurley on drum and bass, Bika on violin, and Lance on synth. They're also a DJ duo. Mm. This is a very electronic version. There is some guitar in there, but yeah, it takes even more electronics than the Nine Inch Nails version, I think. That's because they're a synth pop band whose influences are Cocteau Twins, Cranes, Hoover Phonics, Tori Amos, Collide, Dran Dran, and they're on the Etheria music label. What do you want to say about this one? It does have the long intro. It's about a minute 17 or something before the vocals start. better than the original. Yep. It's It's about half the time to get to the vocals (laughs) than the original. It's like, Ian, what? Dragging your feet, guy. It was a nice build, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's... I liked the way it started out immediately. Yeah. And then it just kept building on itself. So that, that was fine. You know, as long as there is build up i'm i'm okay with the longer intro but when you just play the same eight bars of something oh, over yeah. and over again for two minutes and i'm just like okay. <laughs> yeah it's they do the front line assembly style intro where it's like soundscaping you build instrument upon instrument upon instrument until the song is in full force and then the vocals kick in yeah and the drums are really cool different way of doing the drums that that kick yeah is very electronic sounding and could be off-putting for some, I think, but uh, I enjoy it. Me too. It, I, it took me a moment because I was listening to it going, I don't know about this. And then I was like, okay, I'm on board. Yep. Especially when the kind of the whispery locked-in-the-closet vocals come in. <laughs> the Lana Del Rey style. Mm. <laughs> it's like, what you hiding from, vocalist? Get out and actually pronounce stuff. Shh, it's a secret. It's a secret. I'm singing a song right now. <laughs> Anyhow, you can judge for yourself. This is Dead Souls by Bella Luna from Face the Beat Session 1. <laughs>
bit of oddness was Verwolf by Karan Xkadi from his Singles 2009 collection. Karan Xkadi is a dark hip-hop artist from Berlin. And he gets in a lot of guest stars, but pretty much it's him. It's his project. He does everything. And he offers his music for free. Pretty much anything he creates, he releases for free. Wow. So I don't know what he does on the side to make income or anything, but yeah. And originally I thought maybe he was from Hamburg or something, because I know there's like a big hip-hop scene in Germany in Hamburg, but yeah, he's from Berlin. Uh, you were grooving to this. I was. You call it oddness. I call it awesomeness. Yeah. It's it's super cool. I like the hand clap. That's kind of <laughs> comes out of nowhere. It's like, oh, this beat has a hand clap to it. The growling throughout the whole thing and oh, howling. Yeah. Yes, I love it. I yeah. loved it. And then German rap style. It's like, yeah, rapping in German. And it works somehow. Yeah. I think because it's such a clipped language anyway. Yeah. It's, I don't know what they're singing about and I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> Let's just... hear it again. It's nice to hit that rhythm because German can have that that very rhythmic, clipped kind of sound to it. Yes. Yeah. Good um, stuff. Yeah, I picked up on him talking about the moon, and that's about all I got out of. Well, you know more German than I do. Yeah, I don't pay the closest attention because, you know, every once in a while I'll pick up on a couple of words. I think he says mocked, but that could mean anything because it just means to make. Or was he saying knocked? Oh, he could have said say knocked, which would be night. Uh, maybe he was. Because I know knocked yep. is night. Like eine kleine knocked music. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Karan Xkadi. You can find him on Facebook and other places. And yeah, he offers his music for free. Yay! Oh, what do you want to talk about next? Uh, you want to talk about... Well, let's talk about Bowsette, because I have no idea what the fuck that oh, is. Oh, Bowsette! <laughs> yes, this is... I guess not quite an obsession, more like uh, tilt your head, look at the internet and go, huh? So Bowsette is this fan-created Nintendo character based on just an assumption as to what this new power-up could do to other characters. Because it's the Mario game, they introduced this character Toadette, which is a female version of the Toad character. Mm. However, when she picks up this power-up called the Super Crown... She becomes kind of a weird cross between Princess Peach and Toadette. So she gains some Princess Peach kind of qualities. And this uh, artist on DeviantArt did a comic strip that had Bowser and Mario lamenting that Princess Peach kept turning away their advances. <laughs> and you notice that Bowser is holding the super crown and puts it on. And so he picks up all these qualities of Princess Peach and becomes Bowsette. That is bizarre. Now, it's not called Bowsette in the comic strip. That's something, like, fans did to it. So a Bowser became this blonde woman with horns coming out of her side of her head with these really thick eyebrows in this really gothy kind of black dress. But she still has, like, the turtle shell thing on the back. Oh, God. I have to look at this. There's a lot of cosplay. There's a lot of fan art. There's a lot of pornography. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't want that. Because, like, she's... Um, a lot of people draw her super busty. Other people don't. There's some wholesome things. People have created kind of, like, 6-bit... Or 6-bit. 16-bit, like, gifts of Bowsette. Looking quite lovely in this kind of gothic, full-length dress. Keep going. I found out about Bowsette through a cosplayer I follow, Jessica Negri, 
and she was doing a Photoshop as Bowsette, and I went, Bowsette, what the hell is that? And then I started noticing it everywhere. Um, there's a Max Fun podcast called Story Break, which are a bunch of screenwriters and directors behind Video Game High School, and they come up with a concept, and within an hour they have to, like, break a story. They have to write a basically a script synopsis for a story, and the most recent one they just released is about Bowsette. <laughs> So it's like everywhere on the internet and um, a lot of social media trend watchers are going, okay, this thing's lasting longer than most things do because it just becomes a thing and then just fades. And like, no, people have latched onto this. It's all over Twitter. Playhouse Bowsette and Super Mario 64. Somebody created a patch. Yeah, somebody's made a mod for Nintendo 64. It's fascinating. <laughs> just this fan creation of just assumption of what would happen if a certain character would put the super crown on and now it's like all over the web what do you think of bowsette darling i kind of like it it's awesome isn't it she's awesome because i I didn't think like this would be interesting at all and i was wrong well there's something because she's you can tell she's physically powerful she's not going to take any nonsense from anybody and so you get away from the whole princess peach kind of thing this makes me laugh Oh yeah, the the meme that's the uh, the distracted boyfriend meme, mm-hmm. as you know Mario looking at Bowsette walk by as Princess Peach is looking at him like, hey. Yeah, apparently she also not only has the shell but the tail. Yeah, she has this little shortened spiky tail as well, and she has like the spiked bracelet gauntlet things. Yeah, I had no idea this existed. Isn't that awesome? I'm glad you like it too, because it's just kind of like the the character design. <laughs> she's way more interesting than Peach, I can tell you that. Know, she's like the most interesting thing from the Nintendo universe, and it's like, it's fan created. Though I guess there's some debate that if Nintendo had already created this character, but... Nintendo has no comment at this time. Yeah. Some are saying that it might be just trolling to upset the uh, Nintendo's social media presence. By having this all over the place. <laughs> but it's an awesome character that they never designed, apparently. Mm-hmm. Just this deviant art artist, I think, like, Aki-17 or something like that. Yeah, this is, um, wow. Yeah, it's a really cool design. Can you imagine she'd kick butt. <laughs> oh, yeah, she has, like, permanent fire-throwing ability. Oh, yeah, she can breathe fire and put her in, like, Smash Brothers or something. She'd kick ass. Yeah. So that's my Bowsette story. <laughs> that I was... Introduced to Bowsette, and now it's like a thing I see everywhere. It's uh, it's pretty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so yeah. It's, it's not something I expected to like. I thought it no, her dress ridiculous. is super cool. That black dress. Mm-hmm. It's like um, strapless, kind of bustier kind of design with a mostly. I've seen a long skirt part yeah. of it that flows out in a very Victorian kind of fashion. Yep. Wow. I just wow. Yeah. It's a temperate May 12th here at the North Weddington Gymnasium in North Hollywood, California for Pistol Shrimps Radio. My name is Matt Gourley. And I'm Mark McConville. Matt, tonight the Pistol Shrimps take on the Dribbling Dolls. Am I saying it right? The Dribbling Dolls. Well, it, they don't have one of those little apostrophes and drop G's, so I think you got to do them the service by including the full gerund. Dribbling Dolls. At Pistol Shrimps Radio, we strive for accuracy and that's what it's all about. Grammacracy. Now, Accurate grammar. The dribbling dolls are setting up here in the North Weddington gym. Uh, 
we're sort of on a little stage here, Matt. Not just a little stage, but little seats. All we could find were little child kid seats, and our asses are firmly planted in them and hanging over the sides. First man to have both legs fall asleep wins a brand new <laughs> Kia Optima, Matt. And over the keys, because my ass is sleaze. Ping. Sure. Listen. Be sure you put the G on the gerund. All accounts of the Dribbling Dolls is that they are here to play some good basketball. I hear tell that they're wonderful on the court and, quote, ballers. So this next double bill of music I clumped together because they're both the n- named after horror movies. And I think this first one is a horror movie based on a video game, if mm. I'm not mistaken. It's Alone in the Dark. Mm. Yes. Which I think might be an Uwe Buol film. <laughs> <laughs> which isn't saying much. Uh, it's a future pop band by the name of Schwartz's Fragment, and it comes off the album Zalen Killer, which I think means Soul Killer. They're from Munich, so we're right back in Germany again. But this one, the vocals are both in German and in English, which is kind of nice. Members are Martin on programming and vocals, Felix on synth, Peter on guitar, and Caro on synth. Very much sound like a future pop band with those names <laughs> indeed martin felix peter caro and they're on the ionium and dance macabre group labels uh anything you want to say about this particular song uh the it is based on the movie was based on games um a game series called alone in the dark which premiered in 1992 uh-huh. and was based on the writings of hp lovecraft Ooh. but uh, expanded to include sources like uh, Voodoo Legends, Wild West, and works of H.R. Giger. Ooh. So, anyway, interesting. Uh, well, thank you. No that. problem. Uh, it's uh, I rushed to Wikipedia nice. to find these things out. Yep, and I believe there was a movie called Alone in the Dark that was based on the video game series, kind of. At least just the name, because that's what Uwe Boll does. It's like, oh, I'm going to do this movie based on this game and not pay attention at all to what the game is. Yeah, you're absolutely right in that it was Uwe Boll, and it has literally the lowest rating I've seen on Rotten Tomatoes ever. Wow. At 1%. Ooh, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the song's better than that. Let's put it that way. Yeah. It's very future poppy, very electronic, borrows from gothic, industrial, trance, and house music for kind of a danceable combination of all of the above. Indeed. Yep. So, this is Alone in the Dark by Schwartz's Fragment. <laughs>
Canada is the electro-industrial group Defense Mechanism with the song Last Man on Earth, the 7-inch edit, which pretty much tells the story of the Vincent Price film Last Man on Earth. Mm. <laughs> There's even some Vincent Price towards the end, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Yeah, sampled. Uh, they're a four-piece. I didn't get much more than that. I was looking around and... A lot of their sites are no longer active. Oh. <laughs> so I was trying to find their 
their members and it just wasn't happening. Sad face. So, but yeah, you were enjoying this one a lot. Uh, I liked the vocals. I could understand everything he's saying. Yeah, uh, they're crystal clear. I like the the tone of yes, the vocals. agree. And the delivery, too. Mm-hmm. It uh, just goes to show another great Canadian dark alternative band amongst all the other ones. Skinny Puppy, Birthday Massacre. There's a bunch of them. <laughs> Frontline yes. Assembly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're producing a lot of great dark alternative artists in the Great White North. Cuckoo, 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 cuckoo. It was fun. Actually, it's cool. Is it Kulu? I didn't. I wonder if that's the call of a loony or something. I have no idea. Something definitively Canadian. Putting beavers on their coins. Crazy Canucks. Uh, we um, love you, Canada. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you want to mention? Shall we talk about Marvel Rising, I guess? Yes, let's talk about Marvel Rising. Uh, we watched the shorts to Marvel Rising. That was fun. And we also watched the film. But yeah, it's a Disney Channel exclusive thing in which they're talking about Miss Marvel, Squirrel Girl. America Chavez. America Chavez. We, we've got Daisy Johnson, voiced by Chloe Bennett. That made me happy. Yep, in the shorts, we have... Spider Gwen, also known as the Ghost Spider. Ghost Spider. It was an interesting way of putting her in the same universe because the whole thing about Gwen, Spider Gwen, is that it's an alternate universe. Right. You know, one of the many different Earths of which, you know, they do this in both DC and Marvel. But uh, the thing with Spider Gwen is that, uh, you know, she was the one bit by the radioactive spider. Right. And Peter Parker was her best friend. And Peter had, you know, got bullied a lot and stuff like that, uh, as, you know, he did in our universe. Mm -hmm. And he just wanted to be uh, more like Gwen. And uh, he got turned into Lizard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And ended up uh, dying as a complication of some things. And, of course, she was found over the body, and so everybody assumed that Spider-Gwen, she wasn't called Spider-Gwen by the public, because nobody knew she was Gwen Stacy till later. Yep. Um, yeah, that kind of gives away your secret identity, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, the, she, with gives, Gwenpool. she gives away her secret identity ah, later. Okay. So, I mean, she totally comes forward. But, uh, yeah, she... Uh, it was an interesting way of moving that story into this universe, and instead of... Uh, you know, Peter Parker being her best friend, it was this guy named Kevin. And uh, the thing with him was that he actually was inhuman. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he'd been hit by the Terrigen Mist, mm-hmm. and uh, anyway. Yeah, he could, like, shoot ice things or something. Yeah, and he had ended up being killed, and they thought, again, her found with the body, and they assumed that she did it uh, without any right. evidence. It's like, Really? How did she kill him? There, mm-hmm. You have absolutely zero evidence. Yeah, especially so. when he was stabbed, and that's not something she does. So. No. It's like, that's not even a weapon I use, guys. Yeah, doesn't have knives, so she has webs. Yep. Um, but yeah, the, the shorts were fun. I do think that Spider-Gwen will show up again in the Marvel Rising universe. I think that gothy chick from The Runaways is supposed to make an appearance, too, from cool. what I can see on covers. Cool, cool. Uh, I it's fun. It's well done. Uh, I enjoy it, and uh, even with it being 
aimed more towards kids, there's still a lot to enjoy there for adults. Yeah, it does have some darker aspects to it with dealing with inhumans and the racial distrust and that sort of thing that comes with it. Oh yeah, that's uh it's a good thing. It's a it's a really good thing to include that and to show um to basically mirror what's going on in our society with superhero stuff because yeah. that's that's how you shine a light on this stuff oh, so that you can yep. discuss it with your children. Yeah, all those people on Twitter complaining about politics being in the thing that they loved as a child. It's like, you were a child. You were too stupid to realize the politics were already there. Oh, yeah. Go back and watch. Mm -hmm. Go back and read. Yep. You will notice that, yeah, that's political shit in there. Like, freaking Star Wars was based on World War II. It's a World War II movie, basically, about fighting fascism. It's there. So... Yeah. Uh, it's nice to have Miss Marvel as a main character because you have a positive Muslim role on television. And then you have Squirrel Girl, who's a bit thicker. She's, <laughs> she's a curvy girl. She's a curvy girl. Representing yeah. the for all us curvy girls. Thick with double C's. Yeah. Yeah. So it's nice to see her and being super cool. And oh, yeah, they have action figures out at Target. We had to go, okay, our budget can't really afford I can't I can't pay thirty dollars for the squirrel girl right now. Right and yes, now. that sounds like a lot, but she comes with a lot of accessories. Yeah, she comes with the other outfit. She comes with like her civilian clothes and then her actual squirrel girl outfit with tail and mm. she has tippy toe there. Of course. How can you not so, have tippy toe? Yeah, she's got stuff, so to go with her. Guy covered with squirrels says what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> and then all the squirrels attack him. <laughs> um Captain Marvel makes an appearance, as does Captain America towards the end, which is great. Yeah. I I really love that they brought Quake into it and, uh -huh. and had Chloe Bennett do the voice. Yeah. She did really well. Oh, she was fantastic. She was absolutely fantastic. Because just because you can act on screen, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're good at voice acting, but she nailed it. Because every once in a while, I think because of the hurdles of doing voice acting that sometimes people push a little harder, I think Chloe did just right. She was perfect. She didn't oversell it. No, not like the woman who was doing Captain Marvel. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit stilted. It was really stilted. Yeah, it was not, not natural at all. It was, no. Yeah. It, it And uh, whoever was voicing Captain America did fine. Yeah. Um, it's just like, I want it to be Chris Evans, but it's not. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Um, the animated animation style is very much based on the Batman animated series. That seems to be the popular way of doing these things. Yeah, but it's way more anime. Yeah, there are anime segments. I like I like how America Chavez's abilities is whenever she punches or kicks or does anything, it's always in the form of a star. I have to do some reading up on her because I know next to nothing about her, and I'm ashamed to say that. Yeah, if she punches a hole through something, it forms a perfect shape of a star, and you're like, wow. Well, that's <laughs> something from her home planet, but uh -huh. again, I know next to nothing yeah, about her. Yeah, I don't her. know anything about the character other than that she's on my puzzle quest. Gonna read up. Gotta read up on some America yeah. Chavez. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, music was a little distracting because they just used this uh, Disney-owned pop rock stuff that yeah. I didn't think quite fit the scenes. It was okay. It was all right. It I wasn't mean, the it was worst kind of what you expect from, you know, Disney yeah. animated show for kids. Yeah. It's about the music you'd expect, and I guess that's the problem. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it overall. I really liked the representation of Squirrel Girl. I did get accustomed to her voice. I miss the buck teeth. I was kind of 
missing that a little bit. But some people draw her with the buck teeth, some people don't. Yeah, well, going from the, like, her very first appearance in comics, I'm glad that they got rid of the teeth thing. Yeah, because they're a little that was too frightening. pronounced. It was just frightening. Yeah. Because... Uh, and the freckles. Yeah, well, I didn't care about the freckles. Yeah. But because freckles are a natural part of people with red hair because our skin is so fair we don't tan. Yep. And they keep trying to tan, but I'm sorry, being covered with freckles doesn't mean you have a tan, guys. Just stop it. <laughs> yeah. Stop burning your skin so they dial down on the freckles because yeah her first appearance they're really pronounced yeah but uh, and i appreciate i appreciated that she just had ultimate confidence in herself no matter oh, the situation yeah all the time because yeah miss marvel's whole thing is that she longs to be like captain marvel when she's already a hero and just doesn't recognize it well squirrel girl's there the whole way mm-hmm. she already already assumes she's as good because she's unbeatable squirrel girl mm-hmm. she already assumes she's the best in fact they even kind of made a reference to her comic of going into like stark's tower and stealing one of the iron suits mm-hmm. or a spaceship or something it's like you're gonna do what now <laughs> It's yeah. like, not steal, more like borrow. Yeah. <laughs> and she's smart enough to do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the shorts with the fighting uh, Spider-Gwen and using tippy-toe to bite at all the webs. Yes, that was great. <laughs> so she kept falling. She's like, damn it. <laughs> you little pest. <laughs> oh, it was fun. It was fun. So, yeah, it's, it's great. Um, if you have children, that's the perfect thing to watch with them. I yeah. think it's it's really fun. I enjoyed it very much. Yep, it's got a great message without being overly preachy. It's fun. It's got good action. Oh, we didn't even mention Patriot. Um, oh yeah, Patriot's in there too, and... which is great because he has his own little arc because he's always on in Captain America's shadow. Yep, and Dante, who is an Inhuman whose powers fire. <laughs> Dante. Yep. Are they going to call him Infernal? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Sorry. I like it. <laughs> it's just you know they named him dante yeah uh, but yeah i i very much enjoyed this and i look forward to future endeavors yeah i like it too i wonder how the comics are it's pretty much the same thing i think the comics are really just a tie-in and i yeah. don't think it's an actual series yeah this, they're just one it's a series i'd be interested in because it's nice to have some of the lower list uh, comic book characters team up i like their base at the end that's cool Yep, but I don't think at this time it is a comic series. Yeah. All right, shall we get into some next music? Music. Up next, we have a band from Bronezh Oblast in Russia. Ooh. (laughs) It's Rod on the March, and this comes off the album Era of Penultimate Steps. The song is My Demon of Madness is Getting Weak. <laughs> They're a gothic rock band. The members are Pavel Korth on guitars and vocals, Alex March on guitars, vocals, and programming. So it's a two piece. Uh, their label is Shadow Play and also uh, Half Music. Their influences include Fields of Nephilim, Rosetta Stone, which I understand, and The Cure. But once again, Rosetta Stone um, has really buried vocals. And I think you get a little bit of that here as well. Plus the thick accent makes it kind of difficult to understand what he's singing. Pick up on a couple of words here and there. He is singing in English. (laughs) It's just a very thick accent plus being buried in the mix. Right. So some of it may be lost. I do pick up on words from here and there. Um, Anything else you want to say regarding it? Um, Other than I have no idea what he's singing. (laughs) Um, Nope. (laughs) No, um... 
he does have that deeper vocal style that uh, gothic rock is kind of known for so yeah deeper tone of of singing so yes this is my demon of madness is getting weak but right on the march
Golden Apes with Devil from the album Riot. Golden Apes is from Berlin, so back to Germany again. Oh, really? I had no <laughs> idea that all of this dark music came out of Germany. Yeah, where the gothic music is a religion, mm. according to Villa Vallo. Gothic rock is a religion. <laughs> uh, members are Pierre Lebrecht, Christian Lebrecht, Eris Zarakis, which is a great name, mm. and Gunter Buchau. Um, their label is Aft Music as well, and they perform dark wave music, as you could hear. And lovely guitars, kind of that watery sounding gothic guitar style. Uh, deep vocals again, kind of buried again. Pick up a little bit more on the vocals than the previous song every once in a while. I think he's saying ignorance falls like rain. <laughs> it's like there's like 15 syllables in rain. You're like, holy crap, you're milking that word rain. Kind of means you have like Tim Curry saying certain words, <laughs> just his whole mouth around it, or what Iggy Pop in Rock and Roll. I'm mock. <laughs> it's like, geez, chew that word. <laughs> yep. Uh, anything regarding this particular song you want to say? Uh, again, couldn't really tell exactly what he was singing about. Uh, so. Yeah, uh, it's just about. Things being like shit. I think it talks about broken bones a little bit. Talks mm. about ignorance falling like rain. <laughs> if I'm not mistaking what he's saying. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's more of a tone piece, I think. Right. So, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Star Trek shorts. Let's talk about that. Right. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek Discovery has or is now airing shorts. They released the first one. What, a couple of days ago? Uh, yes. Uh, they'll always be released on Thursdays. There's three left. 
they I thought they were doing it on the first Thursday of every month, but since November starts on a Thursday, they're actually making the next one on November 8th. Okay. And they're doing that uh, once a month for the next three months after this, and they're... The next one will actually be a character we have never seen before, so... Ooh, intriguing. That will be interesting. And uh, then in January, after the shorts have finished, at some point, we haven't received an actual date yet, Star Trek Discovery Season 2 will begin. But because we got a short, Live from the Edge has been resurrected! Yep, and I was watching you guys on YouTube and chatting along. You were indeed. With about six other people. (laughs) <laughs> and and Bruce was grateful for you, as he mentioned. Oh, so, nice. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, I I wasn't even sure if we would have many people in the chat. And I know seven doesn't sound like a lot, but it makes it easier to read people's comments. <laughs> well, it was kind of unexpected too, because you know these got released, and it was a bit of a rush to get everybody to have a live show after. You know that took some planning on your guys's part, and to drum up interest in enough people to come watch you record a podcast live yeah the fact you get an audience at all is kind of remarkable yeah well and it does get converted into audio form podcast so that's released the next day yeah um that took some doing to finalize all of those details because it was just kind of like everybody going what (laughs) who what are we doing do do we have to remind you all that we do not have access to all the stuff that the rest of y'all do (laughs) anyway uh so and and then when i went to set up the stream youtube had changed the way that it does that and it's like oh try uh youtube studio beta i'm like what (laughs) and i couldn't find the original creator studio so i clicked on the youtube studio and then there was a menu option that said creator studio classic i'm like oh thank god (laughs) thank god (laughs) so but yeah this uh this episode this short trek as they are being called aired at well it was released at 7 30 p.m our time and i had to go record this podcast or broadcast this podcast at eight broadcast the podcast it was a broadcast not a podcast anyway live podcast whatever the hell you want to call <laughs> yep. it it doesn't matter so a podcast i had to i had only one chance to watch it one one time through that i could watch it so but it was about my favorite character tilly so i was very happy about that yeah is it interesting and your discussion was interesting because it brought up things you probably weren't talking or thinking about in the moment and so when you're reflecting on it and talking about it, it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, this is a deeper episode than people were thinking. Mm-hmm. And it touches upon you know, how you can talk through your problems with other people and realize, oh, that is the crux of my problem right there is this thing I haven't been addressing. Yeah, well, it's it's more that helping other people with their problems shines lights on what you should be doing about your own. Yeah, and got into a nice discussion about giving advice and taking advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, fascinating. So, yeah, look for that on Trek FM. Of course. Live from the Edge, number 15. And can people go back and watch the old video recordings? Yes. Or? Okay. Yes, they can go to YouTube. They can't participate in the live chat, of course, because that oh. happened when it was live. But they can go back and watch the video if they so desire. Nice, and that's the Trek FM YouTube channel? Mm-hmm. Nice. So, yeah, and your Life from the Edge proper will be coming back in, what, January-ish? Maybe? Yeah, as soon as Season 2 of Discovery starts. Right. That's okay. when we'll be re- returning to the regular Life from the Edge after nice. each episode. All right, anything else to discuss regarding your Star Trek podcasting life? <laughs> uh, no, 
No, I don't think so. Um, I did get added to a group on Facebook. It's funny how sometimes people can just add you to a group. Of course, you can leave if you want to. Yeah. But this one I really enjoy because it's called I Fucking Love Sylvia Tilly. <laughs> and that's pretty much the way I feel about it. So nice. I am happy to be a member of that group. So her fan group, huh? Mm-hmm. Sweet. Uh, I guess that's the end of this music special. We have one last song to play out on. Yeah, but we have shout-outs first. We do have shout-outs first. So let's take care of that. We got some birthday shout-outs. Birthdays. So ready? Hey! That was a good one. <laughs> There's a waveform of it right there. Wow. Okay. Uh, Matthew Tse, who is an improv coach for Brave and Dandy, plus he does D&D with us. He's been very helpful in setting up this whole live D&D show that we're calling Level-Headed Gamers because every other name's been taken. <laughs> He is our good friend. He is very much our good friend. Uh, we've known him for a while now. Mm-hmm. Years. 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 So, yeah, we've done improv with him. We're doing improv at the library with him. So, yeah, he's in our D&D group. He's an improv buddy and just all-around friend. So, yep. happy birthday to Matthew Tse. Yeah. And happy birthday to Bruce Gibson. Happy birthday, Bruce. Speaking of live from the edge. From the edge. the edge. Yay. I was trying to make sure I got the name right. That is the name of the show, Life right? Life from, from the, the edge. edge. Right. Because of that whole Sarek quote in the very first episode of Discovery. Oh, yeah. What have you done out there on the edge of Federation space? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, Bruce uh, is my buddy. He, it's interesting because the person that I was originally supposed to do Live from the Edge with um, became unavailable because of the hurricane uh, last year. Right. And he he lives in Texas and mm-hmm. it uh, caused damage to his home and business. Oof. So he was basically out of the running there. And uh, Bruce luckily was tapped for that and agreed to do it. And it was like... I don't know. You know, it's it's weird because you're like, okay, I don't know this person at all. And somehow we have to do this podcast together. And of course, we actually did a test b- podcast before that, which was an episode of the Edge main show. But we talked about the Orville premiere. Oh. And so that was our first live broadcast together. And it was just like instant connection. It was just one of those yeah, things. Yeah, you and Bruce like, are make a team. <sighs> And it was just, it was, it was kismet or whatever you want to call it. We just, we just meshed. You guys have a great dynamic. And, uh, and it's been months since we've been able to do a podcast regularly together. Of course, I have been able to be on, uh, Literary Treks, which is his podcast about Star Trek books and comics with the fabulous Dan Gunther as well. Mm-hmm. And and I consider Bruce my friend, even though we've never met in person, that doesn't mean we aren't friends. Right. And, uh, and Bruce, I really appreciate you and everything you do and for being a cool guy and an improviser. And he's got a friend trying to get him into D&D. And we had a discussion about that after Life from the Edge. And he's just like, no, I want to do more improv and acting. And I said, Bruce! That's what D and D is. It's both. And he says, "That's what my friend said." And I said, "Your friend is right." <laughs> yeah, it's deep improv because you're creating a character and you're playing it throughout a big old story arc. Yes. So it's more than just doing scenes on stage. It's like you're carrying this character throughout its lifetime, pretty much, ever so. since you know generation of the character. So it has. Uh, I think it has become more palatable to him, and he may possibly end up doing that sometime in the future, if I can sway anyone in favor of 
doing D&D, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's always, I keep just trying to suck more people in because it's a wonderful experience. Yeah, this fifth edition has really gotten a lot of people back into role-playing. Because it's made it playable. Yeah, well, yeah, it's made it story-based and character-centric, and that's kind of what it needs. It's less reliant on rules and measurements and those little fiddly things. Yeah, the fiddly things are not what make a good game. So, happy birthday, bros! Happy birthday, Matt! Happy birthday! To you! Oh, yeah, so, what, final song now? Final song. Finally, probably the most on-the-nose track of the night (laughs) (laughs) is a song called I Am a Monster by Kata Pavonis. This comes from the album British Post-Gothic, you should know. Uh, Their genre, kind of multi-genre, but a lot of people lump them in with steampunk and neo-Victorian music. Mm, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, Members are Sue Wainwright, Dave Wainwright, and Chris Hines. And they're from Bristol in the UK. Bristol. 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 Um, Your opinions of this particular song? Uh, It reminds me of something and I can't quite place it. I know what you mean. I know that I know what it is, but my brain can't find the right words. But it reminds me, and not in a bad way. I know. Um, Uh, It's a Jekyll and Hyde song, which is great. Kind of reminds me of the Dam's Jekyll and Hyde. And also, was it... Break My Shell or something like that? Or no, I think there is a song called Jekyll Hyde by uh, Decrypts. So there's a few Jekyll Hyde songs out there. Yeah, it's it's like a great party, Halloween party song. It is. It, it would go on a Halloween mix that you'd play for a Halloween party that has like Monster Mash and mm-hmm. similar songs on it. It's that kind of style. It's like a novelty song almost. Yeah, in the middle of the night it'll come to me what this reminds me of. <laughs> oh, is, won't it though? It's like, oh yeah, that's what it reminds me of. Yes. Yeah, but you'll get the gist of what we mean when you hear this song I'm a Monster by Kata Pavonis.
Rock Lobster!